Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorney. Play to win, banksjones.com. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guests. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Ready. Did you get any snow? If you're in Knoxville, I bet you did. And I don't want to hear anybody comparing it to 1993. That was on my birthday. That was 22 inches. And nobody was able to come see me at my dorm at UT, none of my friends from Powell. So don't even compare it to 93. That was a complete shutdown. I always think of the Joker when it snows in Knoxville. And it's, I just want to see everything go crazy. I mean, it's just like, well, the roads are not that bad. I don't know. I, I'm I'm not giving you a road report. I'm just saying it seems like we all go crazy and send out pictures and everything's crazy and wild and it's some snow and let's get excited. So We can get excited for a fantastic uh, show. We've got a lot going on. Uh, Did Nick Saban's retirement ratchet up the pressure on Josh Heupel? Uh, Kalen DeBoer, closer to Butch Jones or Nick Saban? This was Caleb's idea. We'll dig into that. Reggie Bush has some things to say about uh, Nick Saban. Also, Tennessee, is there concern that they're good but not great? Uh, they're competing for championships, but they're not winning them. So a lot going on as we welcome you to the program. 
Hit that like and subscribe button. Give us your thoughts on the message board. The poll question is out there, and I'll get to that here momentarily. Caleb, how are you, sir? Your boy hit an eight-leg parlay for the NFL playoffs this weekend. Yeah, that's right. Eight legs. What did I'm that pay off? Right now. I'm sorry? What did that pay off? I only dropped 10, so it only got me like 100. It was like an 11 to 1 uh, odds. But hey, whatever. Still, I uh, I did it for fun, and it hit. Now I'm mad. Now, obviously, guys, if you hit one, then you should put your life savings on the next one because obviously it's going to hit again. That's how betting works. Yes, Rob, my <laughs> birthday was missed, and congratulations on the parlay. Yeah, and even I was dating this new girl who turned out to be my wife. She couldn't come see me, had a cake for me, and it was a disaster. Luckily, I will say that my roommate was 21. Other than that, there would have been issues. And when, when I was in and, college, we were snowed in for a week <laughs> because of we had about six feet of snow one day, uh, one week, and we were snowed in for a week. The only place that was open was the liquor store, and it was open every day till about two. So you had to get in, like get in the line and get it real quick, and then we all would finish the bottle each night. I remember trudging through that snow, my calves burning. I thought, what a great calf workout if I ever need one, just trudge through snow. Uh, but we were able to get the beer, so everything was good. So, go. Oh, I always forget small. how Southerners are just so, like, lame when it comes to snow. Like We are. Uh, it, it, <laughs> but you're a Southerner, too. But it, uh, it also, um, it was the first time they closed down UT. Hey, I could do this day in Vol history right now. It was the first time they closed down UT since, I believe, the 60s. And do you know why? You're a history guy. Why? Okay. They had they shut down schools so kids went outside and threw snowballs at each other. And one of these snow and then they started throwing snowballs at trucks. Uh, they hit this trucker in the side of the head. The trucker got out and shot one of the students and killed him. Oh my god, are you serious? <laughs> yes, they didn't do they didn't close down UT for like 30 years because well, maybe of don't be throwing snowballs. That's such a like. Oh my gosh, such a like like privileged, spoiled like college kids throwing snowballs at working class people, you know, having to get work in the snow. Like I'm totally I would I would have acquitted the trucker if I were on the jury. I'm just gonna say it. She shot a kid. Don't if you're a spoiled little mommy and daddy pay for your college kid and you're throwing snowballs at a trucker who has to drive through the through the snow on a snow day, yeah, you get what's coming to you. Okay. Stop hating on the blue collar wow. workers like that. Wow, that seems strong. Uh, so uh, just shoot random kids is uh, what Caleb's message is for you today. I can't understand it, but that's uh, his thoughts. So there we go. It is time for today's tough question, and we hit it now. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. Today's tough question brought to you by our friend Andy Mason, and it is this. Quite simply, has the pressure been ratcheted up on Josh Heupel now that Nick Saban is gone and retired? I, I wrote a column on this. It hasn't gone up quite yet, but it will go on offthehooksports.com here shortly, so we encourage you to check that out. Check that out. Also, recruiting updates uh, are there frequently, thanks to Caleb Giroux. Um, I think it has significantly, and I'm going to tell you why I think so. But, Caleb, what are your thoughts? 
Yes, I think it has. Now, it hasn't as significantly as it would if Kirby Smart left. That would have been the peak pressure. And so I'm a little bit, I'm holding back a little bit on this because as we've talked about, Tennessee and Alabama don't have the same recruiting, don't always have the same recruiting fights. But the, next year is the first year, guys, since I've been covering Tennessee, next year is the first year that they're going into the season, not just automatically considering themselves 0-1 because they have to play Alabama. And that's Bro. a huge, sorry. Right. And in my right, in my and in my column, I pointed out uh really 0-2 with Georgia and Alabama. You're gonna be double digit underdogs. It's not to say they're gonna lose that game. Obviously, they beat Alabama just a couple years ago, but that is that that would be the norm. You would go into a season as a touchdown or double digit underdog to two teams. Okay, but that's, that's a lot to overcome from the get. It is, particularly when you're trying to rebuild a program. Now, Tennessee's not rebuilding anymore. You, If you're Josh Heupel in your fourth year, you hope Tennessee has arrived. But it was still, we all knew Georgia and Alabama were still, I think you and I both talked like I've been very high on Tennessee for 2024, but I felt that even if Josh Heupel was going to succeed at Tennessee, from a talent perspective, I never thought he was, I always thought as long as Nick Saban was at Alabama and Kirby Smart was at Georgia, from a talent perspective, they'd always be in a separate class, even if Tennessee could beat them. Right, you you thought the same thing, right? That even if Tennessee maybe had an undefeated year, snuck into a national title, like if you look at NFL draft picks over the next five years, Tennessee's never going to have more draft picks in Georgia. That's just not going to happen with Kirby Smart at Georgia. And you felt the same was true at Alabama. So the the hope was that you had enough talent to be able to upset them, but it was still going to be an upset. Now with Alabama, at least them going to Knoxville. All the transfer news, Nick Saban no longer there. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Tennessee was favored next year against Alabama at home, which is crazy to think about because they haven't well, been favored I, over Alabama since 07. Yeah, I think it depends who they lose in the portal, right? So we'll, we'll wait and see on that. But no, it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if, if they were favored. Uh, again, I, th- that roster is in so much flux right now with Saban stepping out and guys curious. I mean, guys, it, he, here's what changes and it's partly Saban. It's partly the playoff. Tennessee never has to beat Georgia to be one of the preeminent college football programs in the nation. They can lose to Georgia, win 10 games, make the college football playoff year in and year out. And then we'll see if the chips fall where they may. I believe that Josh Heupel's offense will be tough to deal with in a playoff situation on a week to week basis. So I, I think that gives Tennessee somewhat of an advantage. So I, I'll get to the question. It's on YouTube. We'd like to hear your vote. Today's tough question brought to you by Andy Mason Real Estate. Uh, AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Real estate experts with over four decades combined experience in East Tennessee. Best prices, best service in the Knoxville area. Pretty awesome. You can't beat that. All right. So I go to our YouTube page. And if you want to go on there, we would love to see your vote as uh today it is this and i have not even asked for um for for caleb's input yet but as i pull it up uh today's tough question is this with saban gone tennessee should win a national title in blank i've got within three i've got 2024 i've got within three years within five years and then who knows what do you think's leading at this point? I'm going to say within three years is leading. 
It is significantly 69% of the vote. 2024, 6%. Within five years, 6%. And who knows, uh, within 19%. I guess that's still those uh, Tennessee fans that uh, are still unsure about the program under uh, Josh Heupel. I understand. Give him time. But you're right. Kirby Smart would have been a more significant retirement or leaving his school than Saban because of the recruiting uh, area that they they overlap in often. However, however, if I'm Tennessee, I'm going to start to focus on Alabama a little bit. Tennessee did have a, a guy named T. Martin that won a national championship from Mobile. T- Tennessee has the ability now to take kind of a sidetrack, an easier path to becoming a national power with uh, Saban gone. You want to beat Georgia. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying just it's okay to lose to Georgia each and every year, but it's it's way different to me uh, with the college football playoff. Now, let's look at when Tennessee was in their heyday, okay? Who was Philip Fulmer coaching against? I mean, my goodness. Um, you had Brad Scott, Lou Holtz, South Carolina. You had Drunken Ray Goff and Jim Donnan. Uh, at Georgia, and he had Steve Spurrier at Florida, and whoever Kentucky and Vanderbilt trotted out there. But it was just a two-team playoff. It was one game. So if you lose to Florida, Katie bar the door, there goes the season. It should never, ever be like that again for Tennessee. They should never, ever, ever have that mindset. It changes the way you look at college football, and it's going to be weird year number one. But there is, there's no team out there other than Georgia that you would go into a season saying it's going to be an upset, a significant upset if Tennessee beats them. And we don't know how long Kirby Smart will keep it rolling. Uh, Historically, you would say not as long as Nick Saban, who's one of the greatest coaches ever. Maybe he's a great coach for six, seven, eight years and does something else or something crazy happens. That happens. But it's just monstrous um, for, for Tennessee. And I think it does. Uh, give uh, Tennessee fans reason to add a little bit more pressure to Josh Ivey. The crazy thing about Kirby Smart is that he was actually six years younger than Nick Saban when he won his first national title, than Nick Saban was when Saban won his first national title. And from what we understand, Kirby Smart has no desire to leave Georgia. Now that could change, but it seems like he wants to do this thing for a long time. And so, because Dave, I think you know, you covered Saban when he was at a – if Saban hadn't left LSU, he'd have done at LSU what he did at Alabama, right? Like, he probably oh, might have another national championship. Oh, yeah. No, he, he, I think he would have done the same thing. Yeah, exactly. So, Kirby Smart could do that and surpass Saban. Now, you are right. It is scary and things are clearing out. And I want to give a quick history lesson because you bring up Philip Fulmer. One of the reasons everybody at Tennessee knew it was over for Butch Jones was in 2016 when Tennessee was favored to win the East. That was when Georgia made the transition from Mark Rick to Kirby Smart. Uh, South Carolina had moved on from Steve Spurrier. Florida had Will Muschamp, not Will Muschamp, excuse me, um, had uh, Jim McElwain as head coach. So everybody in Tennessee had everybody back. So you're thinking at Tennessee, if Butch Jones can't win the East this year, he's never winning the East, ever. And, of course, he didn't win the East. He finished second to Florida, and then he made his cringe champions of life comments. And I think at that you we all knew that 2017 was over because everybody saw what Georgia was about to become. And so that was it. So you are right. you got to cash in. It, it's twofold. 
the SEC is a little bit easier. And there's a 12-team playoff. Now, I, I wanted to stick with this for a minute, Dave. On a national scale, Jim Harbaugh just interviewed with the Chargers. He's, but By the way, the Chargers tweeted that he interviewed, which means Jim Harbaugh's gone, right? The fact that the Chargers tweeted that they interviewed him means he's gone. Yes. And Yeah. Does it put even more pressure on Josh Heupel on a national scale when programs like Michigan lose a coach like that? Now with the college football playoff and college football becoming more national with the 12-team playoff. Uh, yeah, but don't you think the next great coach is going to emerge? I mean, I think Harbaugh is fantastic. It, it took Harbaugh a long time to build them up, though, to a championship level. So, yeah, I think it helps. So the more great coaches that go in the NFL, it helps Tennessee for the elite programs, especially when they get in the playoff. The, the, the question is, is Tennessee a team that gets in the playoff? Because I think they're going to be an annual playoff participant. I think they're going to be in three out of four years. I think the question is, does Tennessee advance? Um, and at some point, if you don't, you have Rick Barnes-like questions. But certainly, I think Harbaugh moving on to the NFL would be great for any program that wants to win a championship. I, I, I agree. And it'd be great for any program. And Ryan Day would be so grateful at that point, too. <laughs> but uh, I think this is – but actually, I want to bring that up. I think the reason I bring that – that up is, is Jim Harbaugh. You know the fights he had with Nick Saban over satellite camps. You know Jim Harbaugh has done every skirted every rule he could to recruit in the South, basically, and it's kind of worked in his favor. And I don't know if other coaches could do that. We know that Ryan, as long as Ohio State sticks with Ryan Day, I got to say, however people feel about Ryan Day, it's very clear, isn't it, that the magic is wearing off and that the the tide and the public sentiment is turning on him. And you know this, Dave. You covered Philip Fulmer. The minute a slither of public sentiment turns on you, it wrecks you on the recruiting trail, doesn't it? Because that narrative is out there. No, and, and I think the narrative – well, and I think the narrative is out there for Alabama, which is why I would focus on recruiting the state of Alabama, which is better than it was back in the day. The narrative is Nick Saban's gone. I grew up watching Nick Saban. I remember I was five years old. I'm a, I'm a high school prospect, and I watched Nick Saban, um, and now he's gone. So I well, think that's where seeing, I was – that narrative play out as well. I agree. And that's where I was going was Tennessee borders, Alabama. And honestly, Knoxville is about a three hour drive from Cincinnati. You think if Ryan day stays in popular, Tennessee could have a North Alabama, Southern Ohio pipeline, both of those areas. Um, possibly I think first and foremost, it gives Tennessee a chance to lock down. There's a, an area in South mid Tennessee, that is is pocketed by a bunch of Alabama fans. And when I say Alabama fans, I'm not talking about guys that put the flags up. I'm talking about the high school coaches. I'm talking about there's some boosters there. I'm talking about guys who actually influence recruiting. So there there are a lot there. I think you I think you can reclaim that right now. You better you could, reclaim and guys that for, right now. And for our listeners who don't know, uh, for who don't study history, ask Philip Fulmer. It, this goes back to the 60s, how 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 many ties that Alabama area has to Southern Tennessee because Philip Fulmer was very close to choosing to go play for Alabama. And Doug Dickey was the one who swung it for him. And he just wanted to play for Doug Dickey. But yeah, that's a, you're right. That that area is deep. And honestly, I'm not so sure Johnny Majors, who is also from that area, I'm not so sure he doesn't go to Alabama if they're not really, really bad when he get, when he commits to Tennessee in 1952. Mm -hmm. And so that this is a very long-standing tradition. That area even though it's in-state, has been hard for Tennessee to lock off. And they they sneak in some very elite talent every few years. Boo Carter's from that. I mean, we're basically just talking the Chattanooga area. Let's call it what it is. And 
Boo Carter is there. They lost Amari Jefferson to Alabama this past year. And you're right. And, and North Alabama has some of the best high school coaches in the country. Um, I, I think I've told you guys Hoover High School was on MTV in 2004 for what they do. So if ten, in Very North Alabama. on that, wasn't he? he? Yeah, he didn't know what asparagus was. Um, they they pulled, pulled asparagus on his plate. And he's like, what's that? I ain't never heard of that. <laughs> so, I... um, yeah. So, but for what, those who don't know, North Alabama, I think Tennessee has a stronger pipe. Because here's the big competition if Alabama falls to the wayside. It's Auburn, obviously, but Tennessee has a stronger pipeline into North Alabama than I think Auburn does. For those who don't know, North Alabama people are very um, they 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 find South Alabama just an unlivable place, and so they don't want to go to Auburn. And they're part they're partially right. I find North Alabama unlivable, so I, I so but I also find Auburn unlivable. So <laughs> it's Man, you're just hardcore on uh, so, some areas of the country. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right. The, the, the question I, I have with Kalen DeBoer being hired and blame Caleb for this. Cause he brought it up. Um, he said, uh, Kalen DeBoer, his IQ is closer to Butch Jones or Nick Saban. I don't know about IQ, but I did dive into it last night. And I, I have to say that he's closer to Butch Jones barely. And here's why. I think he is a guy that that has an offensive system that's good but not great. I think that uh, he is he is a he's not a, an incredibly innovative thinker by any stretch of the imagination. As far as recruiting, which Butch Jones would uh, oftentimes inflate his numbers by calling recruiting services and having them uh, change the recruiting ranking. Yeah, I, I don't see that uh, Kalen DeBoer is a fantastic recruiter. I think Washington um, was what in the uh, 40s uh, for 2024. Uh, I think they were. Yeah, but I, I'm not going to hold that against him because recruiting is so much. It's so much more about the program you're at than about the actual coaching you, the actual recruiting you get yourself do. I'm just going to point that out. Like, well, that's fine. And player development's something too. But again, I. I don't see him as an elite recruiter. He was 26th uh, for the 2023 class. So, yeah, I, I think that if I had to pick, I don't know IQ. You can go that route if you want to. But I'm I, I'm going to go along the lines of as a coach, I think he's closer. Uh, I've just changed my mind. He's closer to Nick Saban. He played for a championship. I mean, come on. Uh, Butch Jones was never, ever, ever going to play for a national title. Yeah. So, Kalen DeBoer. Give me, give me a clearer look at that brought to you by Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. Enjoy life better when you see better. Local vision service for LASIK, cataract surgery, and regular eye examination. CCTIs.com. CCTIs.com. So, I'm going closer to say, but I just talked myself out of it. 
I don't know why you're so disrespectful of Butch Jones. He won a national title as an analyst at Alabama. <laughs> oh, bad. Did you get a ring for that? <laughs> yes. No, the most humiliating was in 2018 after he got fired by Tennessee and he was an analyst at Alabama and Alabama blows out Tennessee. They gave him a cigar and it's like, dude, you're smoking a cigar for blowing out a Tennessee team that you're responsible for putting together, bro. But yeah, they, he, he did that. Um, look, he's not as thin skinned as Butch Jones. Okay. He's not going to be as annoying in press conferences and as thin skinned as Butch Jones. But there are in-game basic mistakes, having watched some Kalen DeBoer this year, and after I finally watched Washington on a national scale in the playoffs, there were some in-game basic mistakes that are very, shall we say, Butch Jones-esque. They're very Mario Cristobal-esque. Could I go Mario Cristobal for IQ? Or is Mario Cristobal on Butch Jones' level of IQ, too? They're, they're about the same IQ. Um, I, don't, but, I, don't, I don't know. Um. I actually was high on crystal ball for a while and I'm not now over the past three years. I've changed my thoughts on that. Okay. So I think, but I think I, when, when I watch Kalen DeVore against Texas, there was sometimes one play you say that all the time, the Joe Milton running out of bounds play when Kalen DeVore ran a play that, that allowed Texas a chance to get back into the game rather than run out the clock. I have to be honest with you, Dave. Yeah, that very much made me think that this dude ain't the brightest bulb in the box. And how do you make that decision when you've already seen Mario Cristobal lose a game doing it? Yeah. In the and year. We, we are talking relative. But just this just in, a lot of college football coaches aren't brainiacs, okay? But I do think Nick Saban was one of the smarter ones. So I, I would I would have the fact that he, even though I think so highly of Nick Saban, I, w- I would have uh, Kalen DeBoer closer to Saban than Butch Jones. I also don't know his sociopathic tendencies, so that's a whole nother question for another He's day. above Butch Jones, clearly. That that part's clear. So, like, yeah, yes. I'm not going to say he's a, yeah. So, I get, I don't think he's a sociopath. Just closer but... to is what you're uh, yes. pointing at. Like, if Saban's, like, up here, the standard of genius, and, like, Butch Jones is, like, way, way, way down below, it's like, okay, if Kalen DeBoer... Because I do think, you're right, I think, as as little as I think of college coaches and, and, and their intellect, I actually think Nick Saban is a really, really, really smart person. I don't know if you agree, but I actually think he's, like, I think he's, I think he's in, like, the top 1% of intelligence in the country, honestly. Uh, I think he's, I think he's very bright. Um, He loved football. Had he loved, I don't know aerospace engineering he would have been good at that smoky mountain red post major shift coming for alabama fans lose a legend and the DeBoer is basically bringing in a whole new staff the DeBoer, i like that uh he's the DeBoering. um it, it this may be a topic for another day but what's more difficult to overcome what tennessee went through with jeremy pruitt and ncaa issues or losing a legend like nick saban I don't think it's difficult to overcome losing a legend. I genuinely think that's overrated. Wow. I want to be honest with 100, you. 100% disagree, but go ahead. Uh, yeah, I think I think the Jeremy Pruitt stuff and what he inherited but and what Josh Heupel inherited is much more dis- difficult. Now, I think Alabama is a more difficult job right now than Tennessee was in 2021, but not because you're replacing a legend at Alabama. Because Alabama doesn't have the infrastructure to be great right now, guys. They don't have a top 20 NIL collective. Their boosters are cheap and their boosters are going to, their boosters are dumb enough to think that they can still win just by being Alabama. They genuinely think, I'm telling you guys this and you will see it. 
they delusionally think players are going to take an NIL discount to play for Alabama. They the boosters well, actually think that. Yeah, that's that's not going to happen anymore. Those those days are over. No question about it. It is. It is. Okay, and so for tomorrow, so for tomorrow, that. let's let's do this. For tomorrow, I I want to get into the discussion what is more difficult to overcome, the Pruitt scenario or losing a legend. Can we do, can we do that because you and I legitimately, genuinely, completely 100% disagree on this. So I'm excited for this. All right, but that's wanna, fine. But I want to do my research because especially on Tuesdays because when you when you wear the sport coat, you scare me. You you look smarter. You look smarter than DeBoer. I wear I wear a sport coat on Wednesday too, bro. So you're still going to be scared. You're talking to an eight leg parlay winner over the weekend. You sure you want to debate me? Um, but yeah, I, I think let's. Okay, you think what? Go ahead. I didn't. Well, I didn't say Saban was the first to bring an analyst. Saban was the first to realize that you could. Well, no, no, no. I've analyst. said I've said that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was just going to address that. Go ahead and finish your thought, and then I'll address this comment real quick. Or you? Or um, oh no, I was just trolling about how smart I am. So you can go ahead and there you and go. The comment. Uh, Caleb mentioned Saban was the first to bring analysts into college football. Does Tennessee use a lot of analysts as well? They, they use quite a few. Every Saban was the first. Uh, there are quite a few programs, all of them now, that use several analysts. I think that Tennessee has roughly six or eight. Oftentimes, the reasoning behind analysts and going to get those guys is to have extra coaches on the field. Now, that's an NCAA violation, and you could get busted for that, but that's the same reason that Nick Saban made um, attending practice um, a non-issue because he closed practice. So you could basically go out there and see him stretch, and then that's all you could see, and then the analyst would run out there. Um, Tennessee has done that in the past, and that is an NCAA violation. It was under a previous coach. I don't know if they do that now, but a lot of people do. So as soon as they close practice – the NCAA only allows you a certain number of coaches on the field. And Nick Saban found the loophole around that. And that was to hire him as analyst. And if you think about it, it was one of the smartest things ever done in Nick Saban's career. And one of the smartest things in football, even though it's cheating, is because you have how many players on an NFL team? 45? 53. Is that the 53. 53. 53. So you have 53 and you have literally 20 coaches. I mean, Mm-hmm. One for one for two dudes. You got a hundred guys if you include the walk-ons in college football, and you're allowed uh, nine coaches on the field. I mean, that's pretty insane. Yeah, it's it, it's funny because I, just on a side note, because uh, I he he's talking about the video I did on Sunday of what made Nick Saban so great. Two the two most genius things Saban did to make him great, Dave, both came from his experience in the NFL. Because one was, you know, he learned about the analyst thing when he was with the Dolphins. That's what he kind of learned. Um, that's where he learned about the analysts. Because as you know, NFL teams have so many analysts on top of all the coaches they have. They and so he he realized he could do that for college if he was smart about how to how to approach it. But the pattern matching, which you explained to me on on, on coaching defensive backs, which for those who don't know, pattern matching is you play man, but then when the re- you play zone when the when the when the play starts, but once the receiver breaks, you switch to man. Once he breaks on his route, Saban came up with that. Because the Steelers were running, we used to run four verticals with Neil O'Donnell back in the early '90s, and the cover two wasn't enough to control to contain that. And so, yeah, that's um, by the way, the pattern matching is why the Patriots used to shut down Peyton Manning in the early 2000s because Bill Belichick figured it out by, while working with Saban. 
And stuff. You, need, you need to check out uh, those videos. They are fantastic. So what do we have up right now that people can check out and learn a little bit about uh, some Tennessee SEC history? Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. Turn your notifications on so that you know that you're you're getting the very latest. Caleb's putting out some great stuff. So uh, what do we have out there now that people need to check out? Yeah, so Nick Saban right now, uh, or right now what we have out right now is that um, – I'm just gonna blink a little bit. It's it's what made Nick Saban such a great coach, and it's a combination of him figuring things out like analyst and pattern matching, also his organizational skills, him being uniquely qualified to run the offense and coach defense. But also, look, there's a little bit of timing and luck involved too. He took LSU. He took the LSU job at the right time, and yeah. there's no debate. As far as Jason calling you out, by the way, saying 18 parlay should be around 150 to one. So what's wrong with you? Jason, the trick on the 18 parlay, the trick on parlays when you do let giant legs like that is you do alternate spreads that are much more likely to hit. But if you do a bunch of them, you still get a pretty big payout. Oh my gosh, you start talking gambling and my eyes glaze over. I'll but tell you what. what I will say, okay, go ahead. I I I think that um Kalen DeBoer is closer to Butch Jones and trying to figure out that math, though, because he doesn't know that you should take a knee when you have the lead in the ball. I don't know that I could figure out that math, and I've had my IQ tested. I know what it is. It's not bad. (laughs) I don't know that I could do that. Some of the gambling stuff confuses me. My brain just doesn't work like that. I'll tell you. But they tried to give Kalen DeBoer credit for playing for a national title. Do we have to go down the list of coaches who have won national titles in college, Dave? You know, there's a Scott Miami in 2001 that uh, I might just leave him alone. But, um, you know, yeah, he a, that he, you he and I could have won. Group. I'm sorry. He had a pretty good group. Uh, I'd say they've got a fantastic group at Rick Terry Jewelry Design. They want to be your jeweler looking for affordable game day jewelry. How about the Fire Opals, a Tennessee tradition? RickTerryJewelry.com. That is RickTerryJewelry.com. And this coming up is just an absolute dig by Caleb because he knows I'm a Cowboys fan. I even cleaned out the closet and I had a, an autographed Des Bryant jersey that my wife wore on Sunday. We were so excited and cooked food and everything, and the Cowboys lost. Tennessee is also competing for a lot of things, and uh, there's a comparison that Caleb made, both to irritate me and to in, inform you. Two minutes, he's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker, off Doug Sports. Sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers, featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee ball collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. Have you seen the latest TriStar Hats Co. product? TriStar Hats Co.? What's that? You know, those really cool hats, shirts, tumblers, and even license plates with three stars like the official Tennessee flag and stripes like the American flag. Pretty patriotic if you ask me. Ah, gotcha. Seen those. Those are cool. Where can I get them? Simple. TriStarHatsCo.com. And if you order now, there's 10% on any order $50 or more. Plus, use the promo code HOOKED. 
with the promo code HOOKED, you get 10% off. That's HOOKED. And don't forget free shipping with any order over 50 bucks. Stock up at TriStarHatsCo.com. That's TriStarHatsCo.com. There are plenty of wannabes out there, so make sure you go to TriStarHatsCo.com for the best quality and customer service. Will do, and I'll be sure to use the promo code HOOKED. That's HOOKED when I do to save an additional 10% off. TriStarHatsCo.com. TriStar Hats Co. is a trademark of TriStar Hats Co. LLC. Any use without express written consent is prohibited. The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorney. Play to win, banksjones.com. Uh, who's this guy? Hello, wizard! The Dave Hooker Show, Ooh. a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. Welcome back. Hit that like and subscribe button for me, please. I greatly appreciate it. And we'll have this day in uh, Tennessee football history coming up uh, momentarily. As, um, yeah, so we can talk about this day in my Tennessee sports history when I had a uh, walk up and down the strip trying to get a 12 pack because it was my birthday in 1993 and it snowed two feet and people were trying to compare it to this. This ain't close, people. You are close. Even efic- Wait, you are you are Butch Jones with your efficiency. Why are you just getting a 12 pack? One trek to the store. You need to get a handle. Uh, because my mom watches the show. Uh, yeah, because my mom watches the show. That's that's the reason. All right, oh, so, so a 12 pack is better. Uh, yeah, I think two 12 packs technically is better than a case. I I don't know how that works out. Okay. So the Dallas Cowboys lose and they haven't won anything in a long time. Tennessee is fifth in the director's cup standings. Number one in the sec, uh, which I think significant should be celebrated. It will keep Danny white, his job for a long, long time. However, is that good enough? Four Downs now brought to you by Dynasty Pools and Spas. Four Downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. 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 Downs. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Yeah, first of all, I think you should celebrate being first in the SEC in the Director's Cup, which takes into account or in the standings, uh, which takes into account all sports. You're probably never going to beat the West Coast schools because they have uh, more sports like water polo and stuff like that, that they do. Uh, but that's uh, that, that's not what really matters, let's face it. I mean, it's, it's revenue sports, it's men's basketball, and it's football. I mean, that's, that's what it is. But I think you should take pride in the Director's Cup. I think that um, there are a couple of reasons why. I'm going to get to it now as we will get to first down. First, though... Coop, what should people do? Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. Coop told you to do it, so you better do it. Coop here. First down. All right. So how much does the success of other sports help Tennessee football? How much does it help? A lot? A little? Not much at all? Caleb? I honestly don't think much at all. No, I think it would have used to help back in the day when Tennessee stood alone as like a Lady Vols program. And so they stood out over everybody. But 
let's not remember let's not forget that when Tennessee was at its peak in the 90s basketball was the most forgettable thing out there no one cared at all and they were still getting number one recruiting classes so against that backdrop it's really hard for me to say that um the success of other sports matters too much I don't think it really matters at all anymore. And you're talking to somebody who has pointed out that Terry Fair came to Tennessee because he saw the Lady Vols on TV. But who just flips around the TV anymore? You know what you want to watch. You turn the TV on. You turn the YouTube on. Hopefully, you watch this show. Hopefully, you hit like and subscribe. Hmm? But you don't just flip around anymore and happen to stumble across a, a, a women's basketball game and, and be introduced to the University of Tennessee. I mean, that's just not it's not how things work. If you're a football guy, you're a football guy. Um, even YouTube and the different social media will start feeding you that based off their algorithm. So I don't think it's nearly as significant. Would it hurt if Tennessee won a national championship in basketball on a Monday night and everybody saw it? It wouldn't hurt, but I don't know that anybody says, I'd never heard about Tennessee before. I live in Phoenix, Arizona, like Terry Fair did. And I want to go to Tennessee because they have a great athletic department through and through. I don't think it's that significant of a factor. Now, I would have argued that 20 years ago, uh, but 30 years ago, I would argue that being on television matters a lot. Well, every game's on television now. All right, so second down, Coop. Cooper Mays here, second down. Does the Director's Cup really matter to you as fans? And I, I want some feedback on the message board, so I'm going to leave this one open for a while. I mean, Having the number one athletic department, does that mean anything to you? Caleb, should it mean something to Tennessee fans? I mean, to me, it's kind of cool, but it's not anywhere close to a championship. And I would include women's basketball, even though it's non-revenue, men's basketball or football. I'd rather have a championship in one of those than win the Director's Cup. You? Totally agree. Even baseball. Any of those four sports? Okay, I'd baseball. Uh, I forgot about baseball. I, I, yeah, I would even consider I'd rather win a softball championship than finish one in the Directors' Cup standings. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, would you fin rather finish second in the Directors' Cup and first winning a softball championship? I'll agree with that too. Yeah, I, I think I think I think it's more important to win championships always. I, I'll just to break this down. The Atlanta Braves set the record of, what, 16 straight division titles? They got one World Series. The Marlins haven't won one division title, but they got two World Series during the Braves' run. Who would you say had a more successful run, Dave, the Marlins or the Braves? Uh, well, I mean. <laughs> it's that, the Marlins. That, that, oh, I know. I know. But the Braves were really elite for like a decade. And they got one World Series out of it, and the Marlins went to the playoff playoffs twice. And they got two World Series out of going to the playoffs twice. <laughs> so Travis is on the other side uh, of us. He says, any publicity is good publicity. If the nation is talking about you, it has to be a good thing. And um, then he also said that he wants to win at everything. The Director's Cup, <laughs> Rob asking, sorry, what is the Director's Cup? That's a that culmination. Uh, it kind of answers your question. It's a culmination of how all the sports have done. And it evaluates the athletic department in each and every sport. Tennessee. And so this is for fall sports. We have to be clear. This is for fall sports that they're fifth, not overall for the year. Exactly. And so it comes out in late June, typically for the, uh, for the entire year. What down is it? Coop Tennessee center Cooper Mays here. Third down. Okay. Would basketball completely 
remedy this? Would you know what if, if Tennessee won a national championship, would it take pressure off the rest of the sports? And in turn, would it take pressure off Josh Josh Heupel in football? I got I got an interesting take on this. I want to get yours first. It's brought to you by Dynasty Pools and Spas. Dynasty Pools and Spas is in Athens. Their showroom is unbelievable, and they deliver to Knoxville or Chattanooga. Complete support, spa cover, and chemicals to keep your spa bubbling at its best. Dynasty Pools and Spas. Go to dynastypoolsandspas.com, and you can order uh, your, your pool and your spa chemicals right there and they're the best in the biz uh mention off the sports get a 500 discount on any spa that's pretty awesome a 500 discount off the sports would basketball remedy all this yay or nay it would not remedy all of this but it would put tennessee athletics in a very rare category which is to be a school that won a national championship in football men's basketball and women's basketball. And I think they'd be the only one to have done it in the modern era of college sports. When I say modern era, for those who don't know, I'm saying when after every school has integrated. So roughly 1970, 1971 on, which is basically when title nine started anyway, it would put, I think if Tennessee were to do that, that would be a very, very rare accomplishment. And it, but no, it would not take pressure off Josh Heupel because football still matters more than everything else by a long shot. I think it would, and I think it's a cautionary tale. Here, I think, is the worst-case scenario with this 12-team playoff and Tennessee having a solid coach at the helm. I think that the worst-case scenario is they're a program in football that they make the college football playoff every year but their talent isn't quite of the ilk as a Georgia, and they get bounced out. I would have said Alabama previously, but now that's completely changed with Saban. So that's what you don't want to be. You're kind of like that NFL team that is 9-7. and seven. You don't get a great draft pick necessarily, but uh, you also don't advance in the playoffs. You're just good enough or you don't make any sort of significant change. That, to me, is the scariest scenario for Tennessee fans. And I would, I would certainly uh, watch out for that in the coming years. That being said, is anybody going to be upset if Tennessee makes uh, in the next five years, they make the playoffs four times and let's say they make the final four twice. No, people are still going to say that uh, Josh Heupel is successful, but you're kind of in a situation there where you don't want to make a change, but you don't know if he can advance past the elite coaches in the playoffs. I think that's the scariest thing. All right. Well, there's a, mm-hmm. just to add to it. I see, I'm starting to think it would put more pressure on Josh Heupel because My, the last thing, the last thing Josh Heupel wants to hear, the last thing he wants to hear is that Tennessee is now a basketball school. And, oh yeah. you know, I mean, and Dave, you covered, didn't you cover the men's teams in the nineties where how many of them made the excuse that Tennessee men couldn't be good because women's basketball cast too big of a shadow. It was I the dumbest I, excuse. I think Pat summit clearly put, pressure on philip fulmer during that time there's no yeah. question in my mind and it wasn't her fault she didn't do anything wrong i mean she won championships and even even steve spurger would make references to pat summit you know oh, they got a championship coach up there in knoxville um but beyond so, I'm, i wasn't even talking about fulmer didn't jerry green and kevin o'neill both complain about the shadow of women's basketball over the men's team and talk about and try to pretend that made it difficult for them to coach 
O'Neill's a little bit before my time. I don't remember Green doing that. I don't remember okay. Green doing that. Um, but but could have been. It, listen, it put pressure on everybody. I mean, it put pressure on the crew team. All SEC center Cooper Mays here. Fourth down. All right. So what does football have to do to make this um, a good thing? Being number one in the Director's Cup. Continue to be relevant as they are? Or do they eventually have to advance far into the playoffs or even win a championship for people to get excited about the director's cup? I mean, we just had somebody ask, what is the director's cup? Um, so uh, your thoughts on that. And, and lastly, I'll let you compare the Dallas Cowboys to uh, the, the Vols. Um, but what would football have to do to, to remedy all of this, talk about oh number one director's cup but not in your biggest sport football no they just have to win a national title i mean it's really that simple quite it's honestly the, is it play it's not even play no. for one in the final no. the, the championship game they let me ask you this let me let me ask you a question there's two there are two tennessee students one was a freshman in 95 and graduated in 99 the other was a freshman in 90 nine and graduated in oh three the other saw more basketball success and the other saw more success of football and basketball combined together you'd still rather be the freshman in 95 you still would rather just take that football run wouldn't you well i would think so um yeah i, I would rather take that run it, it's kind of similar to that braves question isn't it a little bit Somewhat. It's just football overwhelms every other sport to it. I mean, I don't look it, it luckily, by the way, it's not the best comparison because Tennessee was actually good in basketball in 98, 99. That was during the Tony Harris, CJ Black, Vincent Yarbrough year. So like they actually finished in the top 25 that year. So they were a good team and they had won the national title of women's basketball with the greatest team ever in 97, 98. So they had a lot to be things were rolling at a really high level at that. There was like a three year run, as you know, Dave, that everything was rolling men's women's basketball, football, and even baseball made the college world series with Chris Burke in 2001, if I remember correctly. So there was, there were some things rolling for Tennessee, but everybody remembers the football team. And the fact of the matter is football carries the weight for this sport. And I, I, yeah, I, so I think they just have to win a national championship in football. I think if you don't win it in football, it's Tennessee is one of those schools. And I'm not saying this is fair, but you look back at an era with a bit of an asterisk. If there's not a national championship in that era, don't you like you look at the Johnny majors era, you respect him a lot, but you're like, yeah, but he never won a national title at Tennessee. Yes. Yes. And I yes. mean, one makes a huge difference on your resume Two makes a huge monstrous difference on your resume. I love that the conspiracy theory that Caleb started weeks ago about Connor Stallions perhaps providing information to South Carolina and helping South Carolina in 2022 beat Tennessee as has legs because Travis is referencing it on the message board as well. We don't know that for sure, but I just I love that that conspiracy theory uh, has legs thanks to uh, Caleb Calhoun. And uh, just by the way, Okay, you can take your cowboy shot if you want to, but they still have won, just for the record, three Super Bowls in the past 30 years. No, they've won one Super Bowl in the past 30 years. 
They won three Super Bowls in the past 34 years. Oh my gosh, I'm getting old. All right, yes, three Super Bowls in the past 34 years. I did my math incorrectly. So if you want to rip on them, you can. But are you telling me, let me ask the message board this, would you take three national championships in the next 34 years? You don't know when they're going to be, but would you take them? So take that, Caleb. What have your Titans done, by the way? Nothing. <laughs> My Titans aren't even knocking on the door all the time. This is the problem with Titans, Tennessee. Titans just by the build way, new stadiums. That's all they do. They do. They do. But they that, that Nissan Stadium has always been terrible, though. So they needed one. But Tennessee, this is the point, though. The Cowboys keep knocking on the door, leading you to believe that they're going to. You you thought this was the year, Dave, didn't you? No, I've never. I haven't thought it's the year in over a decade. I've I've expected this not not in the fashion that it happened on Sunday, but I've. I've, I've expected this. Okay, so the reason I keep bringing this up is, yes, they they have won three titles in the past 34 <laughs> years. If you want to go bad. there. It's not bad. Hey, it's better hey, than a lot Ten- of programs. Tennessee claimed six titles over the past um, eight, 90 years. Did you know that? They claimed By the six way, over it's the past 32 years. years. It was 92, but anyway. Okay, well, the, Tennessee claimed six titles over the past 87 years, but they have won that should really count over the past 58. They claimed the 1967 title. Guys, shameless plug. I've got a video coming on the most absurd national title claims. Tennessee claiming the 67 title is on there. Tennessee should be ashamed of itself for claiming that title. They did. They were not the best team in college football and that year. That's embarrassing. But uh, all I'm saying is this. They are constantly knocking on the door. John Adams, we had him last week talking about knocking on the door coaches. Tennessee... Until that national title in 98, didn't you consider them like what you consider the Cowboys now? Because didn't they have a long period of just constantly knocking on the door before they broke it down in 98? Fair enough. Portions of the program brought to you by Tennessee Cider Company, the original hard cider of the Smoky Mountains. Use the promo code HAT, that's HAT, to receive some free swag on your cider order available most anywhere in the U.S. So It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I think I've said before, frequently please hit that like and subscribe button. But I think I've said frequently that Caleb can be a little crazy at times. And he can bring up some things out of left field that they, they hit me. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think that works. And then he comes up with some that I'm like, I think about, and I'm like, I don't think that works. And I think about it a little longer and I'm like, wait, that works. And he did it again. What the H? The Dave Hooker Show, represented by... Why don't I play the right one? What the... What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Could Tennessee football be on the verge of becoming edge rusher you? All right. I want you to make... I, I Jeremy Pruitt would once say, uh, I want you to make your case as this is something that struck me as a little bit insane but now I'm beginning to think about it because of the use, I would think quarterback you, 
wide receiver you. I wouldn't even have thought about edge rusher you, but make an argument, Caleb, because it's pretty strong. Okay, so let's start with the precedent before I get to this era where it's really going to explode. The precedent is there because Doug Atkins was an edge rusher in the NFL, and Doug Atkins was the first great edge rusher. Is that fair to say? The first great one? Yes. That, yes, so there's Doug Atkins. Reggie White wasn't an edge rusher, but he was a defensive end, which was a precursor to an edge rusher and was the best defensive end of all time. Leonard Little was probably the first. Would you say Leonard Little was the first true edge rusher that Tennessee had become a star in the NFL? Like not. Yeah, let's, okay, let's define edge rusher for a second. Um, and I don't want to bore you, but edge rusher is they made up the term because you're lining up either directly over the tackle or you're lining up outside the tackle shoulder. So you're either lining up on the shoulder or outside the shoulder. So you can play with your hands down, your hand down, or, or your hand up. Okay, either way. So that's they used to yes. do linebacker slash defensive end. And that's so, where that's where they're different from an old defensive end, where defensive ends sometimes played inside the tackle and were so much as responsible as the tackles were for stopping the run. Is that fair to say? Yes. So as as far as a guy who you would say you can play with your hand up or hand down, it's your choice. I would say that yes, you're that Leonard Little is is that guy. You're correct. You can go out there and say, Leonard, would you like to put your hand down today or would you like to have your hand up? And it's his decision and he can do whatever in the H he wants because he can go and rush the passer. And it it is Leonard Little. Um, and the, it, really, I thought he kind of revolutionized the position to some extent. Uh, so, yes, it is Leonard Little. Okay, so now moving forward, who are the great edge rushers that could make Tennessee edge rusher you? So, in case you guys which haven't is, noticed, which just for the record is uh school Eru Edge Rusher. You <laughs> welcome to Eru. All right, so make your argument. So, and I don't know if you guys watched the playoffs over the weekend, but I think the Philadelphia Eagles get, really regret getting rid of Kevin, uh, Derek Barnett. I think they really regret getting rid of Derek Barnett. He had a sack and two hits on Joe Flacco over the weekend, and the Eagles couldn't get to Baker Mayfield. They got to him some yesterday, but they left way too many gaping holes in the secondary. And so I think they probably could have used Derek Barnett. Derek Barnett um, has the all-time record for sacks at Tennessee. Broke Reggie White's record. Did it in three years, by the way. Following Derek Barnett, Byron Young, a rookie from Tennessee, had eight sacks this year with the Rams. And he's got a future stud career ahead of him. Tennessee right now may have the best edge rusher in college football in James Pierce Jr. Fair. Then there is the system that Tennessee runs. Mike Eckler coaching outside linebackers and Rodney Garner coaching defensive line. They both coach edge rushers. Rodney Garner's the recruiter. He's going to recruit edge rushers and scout the right players. Tim Banks, the defensive scheme he runs, guys, Tennessee is designed as an offense, as a defense to play to complement the offense. Dave, how do you complement an offense that gets you big leads? You unleash the pass rush and you make sure you don't give up the big play over the top. Exactly how the Colts were designed under Peyton Manning, right? When they had Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis? Yes. So based on that, they're going to build their defense around their edge rushers as long as Josh Heupel's there for the foreseeable future. Meaning you're going to have a lot of edge rushers wanting to commit to Tennessee and wanting to play. And you're going to have Rodney Garner and Mike Eckler turn them into stars. So as long as Josh Heupel's at Tennessee, they're just scratching the surface of future edge rushers that are going to be superstars. Okay. Uh, one fly in the ointment is an edge rusher. Does does he want to learn 
uh, how to how to play with um, with a motor that can go eighty to ninety plays a game. Okay, I think every prospect looks at Tennessee a defensive prospect, and that's what they're being recruiting against. They're being told by other coaches, "You're going to be fatigued. You're not going to be able to make plays." Uh, but I'll offset that by Tennessee should have the lead, and you should be able to come at people as, as quickly as possible and and think about uh, rushing the passer. Here's why I think Caleb's on to something, but I think there is a bit of a time limit. And I, I'll tell you why. Brought to you by Don Self. Customer service still matters. DonSelf.net. Over 40 years of experience right there. Both their business and reputation on taking care of your customers in College, Dale, Ottawa, in the greater Chattanooga area. DonSelf.net. DonSelf.net. Or call 423-396-2126. 423-396-2126. It's Rodney Garner. I mean, Rodney Garner walks into a room uh, in in recruiting. First of all, he gets into the rooms, which the high school coaches are oftentimes in charge of. He gets into the rooms, first of all, and he says, look at what I've done over my career. I have done quite a bit, and I've made some uh, good players elite players. I've made some elite players better. My question is, how long is that window open? Because he, uh, Garner was born in 66. That would make him, whoa, uh, that would make him 58. 58. Or 57. Okay. 58 when the season starts. Okay. Well, it's June 30th. So, yeah. So, he'll be 58 uh, this upcoming year. So, I mean, my question is, how much longer does does he want to do it? Because his job, believe it or not, is much tougher than any of Tennessee's coordinators, than Josh Heupel's job, because he has to recruit like the Dickens. At some point, that's going to wear on you. So I don't want to sidestep your question, but I think Tennessee has a window in which they can be edge rusher you. I just don't know that they can be edge rusher you forever with Garner being at his age. If he was 48, I think we'd be having a way different conversation because he either hasn't had the chance or hasn't had the desire to be a head coach and move up in the coaching ranks. So if that's the case, then Tennessee's got a just a plum sitting right there as one of its assistant coaches. I just don't know how much longer he wants to coach. Well, you bring up the great point, and I'm not seeing – you know, I never want this for anybody, but this is just the fact with Rodney Garner at his age, he's not going to become a head coach. Probably that just doesn't seem very likely to happen right. for Rodney Garner. If you're a career assistant and you know, this Rodney Garner started when assistants, like you talk about, they were making what 40, 50,000 a year, maybe. And uh, probably around 70, 80. Yeah. Okay. 70, 80. Here's the thing. As long as Tennessee pays to keep him Rodney Garner, I'm sure he's fine. He's probably good for life. He's made good money as an assistant, but given the fact that he's been a career assistant, if he retires now as opposed to 65 or 68 when he can collect social security, well, that's a lifestyle difference in money, right? That sure. that difference, it's not like Josh Hypo, whereas if Josh Hypo walked away tomorrow, he's good. He, he's he's golden for his money. Like for Gardner and for career, as career assistants, that seven years of not working, that is a lifestyle change in money for when you want to retire. So I think Gardner, because he's a career assistant, is in this thing at least until he's 65 to be able to get on social security and Medicare and maybe 68. And well, seven year window is pretty good. I mean, a that's, seven year that, window is pretty good. Yeah, Tennessee I mean, that, why you're coaching, still in a seven year window. 
in coaching, that's basically eternity. Exactly. Um, so that would work. Travis brought up uh, Paris Harrelson and Robert Ayers, too. There are a lot of guys that you can point to. All after little, little, but yeah. Right. But after what you said, the thing that sticks out the most is Banks's defensive scheme. I think you're going to have some guys who are able to uh, create pressure. Uh, oftentimes, Tennessee will have the lead and get in. I don't want to call them junk sacks. That sounds weird. But if you have the ability to don't worry about the run for 70 of 80 plays, surely you're going to have a few more sacks than the guy down the road who has to worry about the run for 80 plays, right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why it's even if the defense gives up a lot of points, if you're an edge rusher, you have a chance to really raise your profile just by racking up sacks all the time because they're going to have to throw it all the time, provided that Josh Heupel gets the lead. And we, we know how you feel about Joe Milton this past year. Don't you think with Nico, he's going to be get, he's, he's going to be getting Tennessee a lot of early leads next year? Yes. I hate how you say that. We all know how you feel about Joe Milton. I was right, though. No, wait, here's the question. Okay, I mean, here's one thing if I was wrong. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go here, Dave. I'm I'm talking myself into this. But you and I both know how the offense is constructed in Tim Bank's scheme and Rodney Garner's there. We both agree that Josh Heupel is going to, with Nico, get spot Tennessee a bunch of leads next year. Is there a chance that James Pierce breaks Reggie White's sack record next year with that for single season? Get 16 sacks in a year? I mean, there's going to be so many times where they have to throw it a lot next year on Tennessee's defense, won't there? Oh, man. 16's a lot. But he's got extra games, theoretically, right? He's got extra so. games. And also, they throw it a lot more than they did in 1983. Yeah. Travis says kind of like Green Bay's defense after the first five minutes. They knew Dallas wasn't running. I hope everybody's having a good time because I got the – I mean, I had the, the – my son was in town from college. We had made a roast. Uh, I I may share a picture here in a second of my wife wearing that Des Bryant jersey that somebody gave me. I have the Des Bryant jersey. It's signed on the back, Des Bryant, but it says 88 on the front, so you think it's Michael Irvin, right? You know, if Des you know Bryant I mean? wasn't so self – y'all would have gone – y'all might have had a Super Bowl run if Des Bryant didn't try to selfishly stretch out for a touchdown, and, and because of that, he dropped the ball. <sighs> okay. That that should have been a touchdown. But anyway, all right. So Jez Bryant was he was like, I don't want to win. I want to get the touchdown myself. I'm not happy unless I'm scoring the touchdown. So he reached out when he should have just gone down with the ball. And then okay, it would have been so a catch. rank rank the top. I know what you're gonna say, I think, but rank the top three positions that Tennessee will have success in under Josh Heupel in the foreseeable future. Oh, well, two is very easy. Two of them are very easy. Wide receiver and edge rusher are one and two. I, I'll go quarterback number three uh, because, by the way, I don't know if you guys know this. You would be quarterback three? Quarterback's one. Just because, well, they'll have success in college, but will that translate to the NFL with Josh Eichel? Receiver and edge rusher, they're going to become – Tennessee's going to be a factory for NFL stars at receiver and edge rusher. In the, okay, in the I was just factoring in what – what they what they did in college okay I, yeah I see they, yeah one. quarterbacks number one if it's just college i would go quarterback receiver edge rusher if you want to talk about just the numbers alone i would say what they do in college it's receiver edge rusher quarterback just for the numbers yes i i agree with you guys on that by the way randomly since we're talking about him josh hypo was the one who scouted jordan love coming out of high school maybe i missed on his talent evaluation when he was at utah state he was the one who wanted jordan love really badly 
um, oh, and he got him. I didn't know that. Well, he's getting. Yeah, it must be nice just to have a run of great quarterbacks for over half of a century, as basically what Green Bay may be on the verge of. But anyway, and they got rid of that uh, malcontent uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, well, who I, still you know, doesn't come back from his Achilles. He teased us about, but anyway, but. You know, Dave, I was really shocked Quincy Carter didn't work out because he had the great. He played for one of the greatest coaches ever in Jim Donnan. Jim Donnan did such a good job stop developing it. him. Was he recruited by Drunken Ray Golf? Just stop <laughs> it. Stop it. Uh, Rob says, mark this date. Caleb will come back to the show when the 16th sack happens next year. Well, he's always going to be on the show. So if that's the case, Rob, then... I don't, I don't, I don't rub it in when I'm right. I never do that. Yes, you did. Uh, James Pierce, uh, how many sacks did Pierce have last year? Uh, how did how many did he have last year? Um, I'm going to pull that up real quick. But I don't think it was. Again, this is this this whole this whole thing is based on you know Tennessee getting a lead. But oh, he did have he he had ten sacks this past year. Yeah, ten. A quiet, a quiet ten sacks. So yeah, and that I, is so okay. So let's let's say right now. If you had to take it, you had a better mortgage. Does he beat Reggie White's sack total this year? No, not if I had to bet a mortgage. But if there were good odds, if it's like a plus 200, I'd do it. Interesting. I'm going to go. I think he does it um, this year with the extra games. And there's better oh, players right, around. College football playoff. You are right. Does he do it in the regular season? Let's let's play that one. Does he do no, it in no, the regular I'm season? That. I'm not doing that. And there's uh, and also, uh, don't forget there's um, there's more talent around him even uh, with the loss of uh, Tyler Barron. So I, th I think that Tennessee and James Pierce. I th first, of all, I think they're going to have to lead a lot more because I don't like Joe Milton. I think they're going to have to lead a lot more, but I think that he is also going to be able to tune a little bit. Tim Banks is hit that like and subscribe button. Uh, Tell you what, uh, another crazy uh, Caleb thought is uh, Reggie Bush and why he seemingly takes a shot at Nick Saban and in turn takes a shot at all of uh, college football. Hang tight, he's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off Duck Sports. Sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers, featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee ball collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. Have you seen the latest TriStar Hats Co. product? TriStar Hats Co., what's that? You know, those really cool hats, shirts, tumblers, and even license plates with three stars like the official Tennessee flag and stripes like the American flag. Pretty patriotic if you ask me. Ah, I gotcha. Seen those. Those are cool. Where can I get them? Simple. TriStarHatsCo.com. And if you order now, there's 10% on any order $50 or more. Plus, use the promo code HOOKED. With the promo code HOOKED, you get 10% off. That's HOOKED. And don't forget free shipping with any order over 50 bucks. Stock up at TriStarHatsCo.com. 
That's TriStarHatsCo.com. There are plenty of wannabes out there, so make sure you go to TriStarHatsCo.com for the best quality and customer service. Will do, and I'll be sure to use the promo code HOOK that's HOOKED when I do to save an additional 10% off. TriStarHatsCo.com. TriStar Hats Co. is a trademark of TriStar Hats Co. LLC. Any use without express written consent is prohibited. The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorney. Play to win, banksjones.com. You're listening to The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off The Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do? Also available on offthehooksports.com. All right, let me tell you something, a quick fact right now about the Derek Dooley's of the world, about the Butch Joneses of the world that would brag about a top 25 class. Um, that would brag about a top 10 class that thought that was good enough. Well, it's not. And there's a baseline. We use the term floor a lot in the NFL draft of Tennessee football and how they can recruit because of what they have. In other words, I'll just look at the message board now. In other words, Rob, Travis, um, Jerry, you guys could have success at Tennessee to some extent and to some extent may mean a top 25 class it may mean a top 40 class Tennessee is the sixth most watched uh, college football team in the nation so there is an inherent value there that a lot of schools don't have you had the question does the NCAA or college football need Tennessee to be uh, good, and I say absolutely yes. Need or want, we could debate that word. But yes, Tennessee, and it's obvious with what you guys, the fans did, and showing up for game after game after game, and some games that were not that meaningful uh, last season, yeah. And I think Kirk Herbstreet has said it. When Tennessee's better, college football is better. I think it's one of those 15 or so programs when that when they're better, Tennessee's – uh, the, that college football is better, Caleb. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But I was surprised to see them six most watched. That that's it, that seemed pretty high to me. Yes. And so to bring up the stats, uh, Alabama was the most watched team, and then Ohio State was second. Colorado was third, but that's the Dion saga. And Georgia was fourth, and Michigan was fifth. Michigan won the national title. Michigan and Alabama played in the most watched college football playoff game ever. Ohio State and Georgia were in the national title run until the last week of the regular season or the conference championship week when they each both lost their first game. Colorado had Deion Sanders. All of those were splash stories. Tennessee was a 9-14. and 14, So it was weird for them to be six. Now, this is – guys, I got to tell you, this is why Dave and I are so excited for covering Tennessee next year because college football, as as – as we have talked about, and uh, as I quote, I've often quoted Shannon Terry saying this, the guy who founded Rivals of 247 Sports and On3, saying that college football is in the second inning of a rocket ship about to launch to space because of the 12-team playoff. 
Tennessee, just by sheer numbers, if you if you do it relative to storyline, Tennessee is has the most passionate wanting to watch fans in the country. There's a third layer to this, though. Not only do they have that passion, Dave, this isn't like the 90s. Tennessee also has probably one of the most fun brands of football to watch in right now, don't they? I think that's a factor. Yes, I do. Yeah, they have one of the most fun brands. They have a quarterback coming in next year who is going to probably be lighted, be able to light it up in that fun brand. I don't see how if Tennessee... I. I think college football will be great next year overall and will generate ratings. I think it goes to another stratosphere if Tennessee's in the playoff hunt, though, with Nico Iamaliava. I think it reaches numbers that they never thought they would reach because I think Nico is going to be, I'm just going to say it, he's going to be the most fun quarterback to watch next year in all of college football. Whether or not he wins the Heisman, he'll be the most fun one to watch. Uh, Yeah, I would probably say that, partly because you have a coach that maybe is too overly aggressive on fourth downs, but I don't want to get into that discussion with you. <laughs> Um, but no, I, I, there were, there was a lot of preseason hype because Joe Milton could throw an orange 105 yards. Okay. And there was a lot of preseason hype because he was supposed to step in and be a more talented Hendon hooker. Well, you and I knew that there were questions there, but let me tell you, there is going to be a lot of hype, maybe a little bit more subdued preseason because people got a little bit burned by Joe Milton. But among the national media, there is going to be all kinds of conversation about who? Ia Maleava. Ia Maleava. So I think you're going to have similar hype. So you talked about the hype train with Deion Sanders. There was a hype train with Tennessee football last year. But I think the hype train is more sustainable with Tennessee than it is with Deion Sanders. We don't know what Deion Sanders is going to do. We don't know if Deion Sanders gets bored. Uh, Tennessee, on the other hand, has a coach that seemingly wants to be here. And and I would tell you guys, if, if I didn't think that was the case, if I heard behind the scenes, I don't think he hasn't looked around. He doesn't seem like an NFL coach to me. He doesn't seem like he wants to go to another school. So it is much more sustainable, that wow factor, than it is with, Deion Sanders. Uh, as far as those other schools, again, you're talking about the nation's elite. I mean, uh, Tennessee is right up there in terms of viewership with the best programs in the nation. That says a lot. That means a lot. And it does help you, like we just talked about the exposure in recruiting, Caleb. It does. It helps you hugely in recruiting. And again, like I told you guys, it helps us when we're covering Tennessee and they're that good because we know that good and it's aligning with college football about to take off. It's kind of the perfect storm of things happening. So, again, you're going to see a very exciting football team next year. Look, this Tennessee team was this past year. It didn't. It didn't help that today for a Josh Heupel offense. This team was not fun to watch at all. I mean, half their the day they do. They changed the offense from going downfield to screen passes because they didn't trust. Joe Milton to hit some things over the middle and they didn't, they didn't his deep ball wasn't accurate enough. No, you're right. It was a totally different offense. Yeah. And you're not going to see that next year with Tennessee and Nico. I mean, I, I've been high on him from the start and I'm still high on him. And here's the other part of this. You know, I used to say this about Steve Spurrier, Dave, and now I say this about Josh. Iber. This is another similarity they have. 
Did you ever felt like Spurrier coached a game like you were playing Madden? How so? You know, you kind of got a little impatient with Madden sometimes. You wanted to rack up your stats a little bit every now and then when you were playing. You didn't, you may not have punted as much as you would if you were coaching in a real game. Yeah, I mean, I was probably like you. I went forward on fourth down a lot because I was yeah. <laughs> y- young and uh, and naive. But I think um, Josh Heupel coaches somewhat like he's playing Madden. Like, to him, play calling and coaching a game is the fun part. It's like being a Madden player, isn't it, for him? Oh, uh, I would hope not. That I think that's how he approaches real strain it. Strain on your defense. And we're talking about real people. This isn't a video. <laughs> no, he's not game. exactly like that. But I think you're the one who told me he looks at the stat sheet. He go, he wants stats. He wants the numbers. I, I I do believe he wants the numbers. I believe that that is a factor. I do believe he learned as a coach. I believe Josh Heupel is going to be a significantly better coach in 2024. You're going to disagree with this than he was in 2023 because I've been told by several people that he said behind closed doors that he did not want to, um, that he, he he would, he learned from his mistakes in Alabama. He wouldn't go for it with the lead on his own side of the field. Now I know you disagree with that. I know you disagree with that, but that is, that is the common belief. And it's one in which I believe in. So he's made himself better as a coach. So yeah, I mean, I think that uh, Tennessee's offense will be exciting, but they don't have to go for it on fourth down at their own end. Uh, nearly, they're not going to be on fourth down on their own end that much. They're going to be throwing it all over the field. So that's going to that's that's the one big difference. So this isn't anything to worry about, guys. Um, so here's a question, Dave: What are the chances Tennessee's the most watched team in college football next year? I think I I think there's a very good chance they're the most. What was watched the top team five year. again? But ahead of Tennessee, Tennessee was sixth. Alabama, Ohio State, Colorado, Let's say it one at a time. Uh, Alabama, I'm going to say drops significantly. So I'll put Tennessee above them. Viewership only is what we're talking about on, on the field. What else? Ohio State? Uh, I'll say Ohio State still wins. No, uh, it's, still- it's Tennessee. It's going to be Tennessee. Okay. Um, all right. Who's third? Colorado. No, they won't be. That, that, that um yeah that that's gone that's done i mean unless they get really relevant again where they're winning nine and ten games and pushing for the 12 team playoff that's that was that was a neat show georgia i will still say georgia is above tennessee because i think they're a better program right at the second michigan michigan i think hardball leaves so no so I would. So have, you got Tennessee and, third behind Ohio State and Georgia. Yeah, and Hunter and I are on the same page. He said they can jump Bama and Colorado, but Georgia and Ohio State will still stay above. I totally agree with that. Hunter You're basing this, but you you are only basing this on who you think is going to be better than Tennessee next year. But you have to add the factor of if Tennessee gets better, then their viewership could explode. Like does it does an eleven? Here, here's the question: Don't you think a ten win Tennessee draws more viewers than a twelve win Georgia? No. You don't? No, I don't. Now, if if you said if you said a team that goes into November undefeated in Tennessee and has a chance to get a, a first round bye and they're that exciting, then I think you've got a strong argument. But as long as Georgia is still winning double digit games in the regular season, making the college football playoff, 
I think people are going to go out of their way to watch them. Now, let's not let's not mistake Atlanta for a Georgia town, but that is a big not. metro. It's not, but it is a big metro area, and they will jump on a bandwagon of anything. And right now, you see more Georgia stuff around Atlanta than I ever have before. So I think there are a lot of people that will jump off the bandwagon, but hey, yeah, let's get together and have a few beers and get the wives together and then cook and let's watch the Georgia game because they're relevant. Does that, does that change if, as we saw two days ago, Bill Belichick was interviewing with the Falcons? Does that change if Bill Belichick's at the Falcons this year? You know, it's funny you bring that up. I know I know uh, people that run two radio stations in Atlanta, and there's one that says they want to be all pro, and there's another one that says they want to be uh, mostly college. So I would give you this, the the ratings between the two, the college one wins. So I can't 100% answer if it's a Belichick. I mean, that's a splash higher. But right now, the thinking is, and the, the, the station that's winning is uh, college football. And college but see, football. I, I would debate, and this is going to be the hottest take I'm going to say, there's a very good chance Tennessee has as large of a presence in Atlanta as Georgia. Oh. Uh, as Georgia, no, but there'll be a second, a significant second. It's the biggest um, booster base outside of the state of Tennessee. Because I think, look, I think this, I think Tennessee among SEC schools, all schools equal. I think forget market size, things like that. I think Tennessee has the largest number of fans of any school in the SEC. And just terms of raw, like loyal, hardcore fans, the largest number of devoted fans that will watch no matter what. I think Tennessee wins on that. And anybody who has been on Vol Twitter for the past 10 years will attest to that. Um, because, again, y'all can say what you want to say about Eric Ainge. And, Dave, I know you have your thoughts, but um, and I know they were trying to prove a point, but he wasn't lying about Sanford Stadium. They're not that raucous, usually, if you go to that stadium. They're um, Especially before they closed the end in, which is the time that he was referring to. Apex Apparel Group, design, brand, market, your way. All kinds of products uh, go to apexapparelgroup.com or just call Tyler at 865-919-3001, 865-919-3001. Support our sponsors. That's why we're here. And Tyler can take care of cups, shirts, whatever you need. Uh, he is uh, fantastic in Apex Apparel Group. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And then you have Reggie Bush. Who, for goodness gracious, and as long as Reggie Bush walks the face of the earth, he is going to say something about players getting paid. I'm surprised he didn't say something about Jeremy Pruitt. Maybe he did. But his thoughts on, because Reggie Bush got a house and his parents were able to stay there during his time at Southern California, which at the time was a uh, NCAA violation. But his thoughts on, uh, Nick Saban, he says, NIL ran him away. He has no more control over five-star recruits. The playing field is level, and he can't handle that. I think that's the most asinine statement I've heard in a long, long time. 
it's this it it's a statement that comes from it's a statement that comes from a casual, as Josh Pate would say, who hears the talking about college football but doesn't actually dive into what's happening in the sport. Reggie Bush thought he was making an intelligent comment. You ever been around somebody, Dave, who um they, they they to keep up with you in a conversation, they want to pretend like they know what you're talking about. And so they say something that's just, it's just so acidite and stupid because they say something that they may heard in passing on a surface level, but never dove into it. No, absolutely. That's what this was. If Reggie Bush knew a lick about college football or covered it at all right now, he would realize this is one of the stupidest things he's ever said. Because anybody who has actually followed Nick Saban the past few years knows that there's a difference between Nick Saban not liking something and Nick Saban running from something because he doesn't like it. Nick Saban has never run from something, even if he didn't like it. He has adapted to change after change after change, and he adapted to the NIL change. He played for the national title in an era of the NIL and the transfer portal. That's not why he's leaving, guys. It's- he he, ro- he rope-a-dopes the change. He, he, he fights it, but he takes the beating, and then he comes out and wins. And I think that he would have won... NIL because money's there had he needed to, but he didn't need to because he could he could use the old John Calipari thing as tripping over nickels to get to millions. Um, but but it does make me wonder this when when you talk about a perfect coach, is a perfect coach a great scheme guy? Is he a great recruiter or is he great at NIL? Brought to you by the Hemp House, the premier hemp dispensary online with a wide variety, great selection, and strict standards to ensure you only receive the best in CBD or Delta products. Go to Hemp House Chat with two T's, Hemp House Chat with two T's.com. So you're asking coaches to do something that's way outside of their comfort zone. You're asking them to handle money, and you have X amount to spend on these guys. Oh, it makes me wonder, would you rather have someone that is fantastic at NIL management or would you rather have someone that is a great scheme coach or is a great recruiter? Where would you rank that among the most important things that a college coach can bring to the table? Well, okay, so scheme to me is always report more important than being a recruiter because I've always said that I think the, I think the school recruits itself more than the coach recruits for the school. And I've got mountains of data to prove that, Dave. You, I don't think you can, I don't think you can point to an example of the opposite, honestly, where a coach recruited a school above its level of what it could recruit. I, there's no, there's no answer. To, there's no evidence of that whatsoever. Um, I of think a the school, school recruiting above its level. What exactly do you mean by that? I mean, it's, it's, it's infrastructure dictates that it could only get a top twenty class but instead they got a top five class. I've never seen that happen ever, ever. And so I, I think, and when I say infrastructure, I'm not just talking about the infrastructure of that school. I'm talking about the infrastructure of the surrounding school. So if someone's going to bring up Clemson, that Clemson has gotten top five classes. Yes. But the infrastructure has allowed it to get top five classes relative to other schools that have had their recruiting issues over the past 10, 15 years, most notably Tennessee. My evidence is that, there's a there's like an Overton circle for every school of about of about five to ten spots of where you can recruit, and the coach can only get you within those ten spots, but they can't do any more than that. Do you see what I'm saying on that? Yes, I didn't know what an Overton circle was at the time, but I think I figured it out. Overton window. I, I should have said Overton window. Excuse okay. me. Gotcha. Um, 
So I don't like, even know what Oprah's window is either. But basically, ba- basically, a school has a max and a minimum that they can get in recruiting, no matter who's the head coach, and it's usually about a ten to fifteen spot range. Yeah, t- no Tennessee's what. is basically a hundred and fifty mile radius, as the crow flies, not in a car. Okay, one hundred and fifty mm-hmm. mile radius around Knoxville. That includes the Carolinas. That includes Atlanta. That includes Nashville. Um, that's where they have to own. Forget about the fact that Memphis is in the state. Worry about that. Your state is that 150 mile window, which bleeds over into other states, which I, yes. I think is kind of what your, what your job and, is. And what I, well, what I mean is also the range. Tennessee at max could have a number one class. Is it safe to say Tennessee could have a number one class? Yes. At max. At minimum, they get a 15th class. It's never, it, there's no range greater than that, honestly. The, the, the range is always about 15 spots. Of any of any coach, no matter no matter the coach, the range is about 15 spots for a school. It's 10 to 15 spots. And that's why I say there's an Overton window. So I always devalue recruiting because I think recruiting is so much more about the school than it is the coach. And I've always felt it's more about the school than the coach, the more I've covered it and followed it. I agree with that. And, now there's something about being a grinder in recruiting. I think you would agree with that. You can't have Derek Dooley who doesn't make the trip to see Von Bell. It's yes, recruiting with that. Actually, I was going to get to that, funny enough. Recruiting is not about the ability to sell. It's about the work ethic, really. You just either, you you have a base level. Like Nick Saban, he's not a good salesperson. Nick Saban cannot sell anything. He's he, But it's because he works his butt off in recruiting. That's why he was so good for so long. Fulmer, I will give you, was a grinder on the recruiting trail, wasn't he? I mean, he analyzed oh, yeah. every single person that he wanted to go after. And yep. yeah, so there's a base level. So you can tell if someone has that or doesn't, to be fair. Scheme is still more important than managing NIL because I don't, I think with managing NIL, I think that's up to the coach's ability to evaluate talent more than anything. And I think that, I don't think the coach can manage NIL that much. I think this, this is actually where, this is where I would agree with Reggie Bush if he said it right. I could see him saying that Nick Saban was upset that he couldn't control the NIL uh, boosters a little more than he wanted to. Not, you know, not to corral them more money to recruit. I could see Nick Saban being upset about that. But the idea that he's opposed to NIL and opposed to being able to run a dictatorship on his own, that's stupid. And and to be fair, Bush did not say those exact words. I'm going to pull it up again. But he, what he said was, his quote was, that was so ridiculous, the ridiculous part of, he has no more control over five-star recruits. What? Like, Nick Saban, that's not why he left, was their control over five-star recruits. It's not like he, they're multimillionaires in the NFL, which I think is what he's driving at, right? Like, multimillionaires in the NFL make more than the coach. So they're going to say, stick it, I'll do what I want to, or I'll go to another team. You don't have that sort of leverage in college football. You don't. You don't at all. And the idea that, the idea that Saban left over that is stupid. If anything... Again, if you want to say NIL, I would say he left. And I do think this, Dave. I think Saban retired. I, I believe him when he said there's no health issue, which he said last week on Reese Davis's interview. I think Nick Saban, after the transfer portal closed, realized that Alabama boosters were not going to cobble up the money necessary for NIL for him to recruit and be competitive. And I, I think that's what this comes down to, is he couldn't cobble enough money to recruit on the level that he wants to recruit, which doesn't suggest control over players that suggest i want more money to be able to pay my players more honestly and he's been begging them for that and he can't get it so uh hunter asked the question does josh hype will have that quality with recruiting recruiting is a lot more than sitting down on somebody's couch and giving them a recruiting pitch 
So I, I answer the question with this, Hunter. Yes, he does. For two reasons. One, Tennessee has significant NIL. But the other is the the culture around Tennessee's football program. Caleb, it's significant. You know, to people, prospects show up on campus and they feel that. And it's a big deal. And listen, players are honest with each other. Do you think players honestly went to uh, a fellow prospect, a 17-year-old, and said, Butch Jones has my best interest at heart. I love this guy. No, no. they didn't do that. No. Did they do that with Josh Heupel? There's no doubt in my mind that they do that with Josh Heupel. No, you are right about that. And as a matter of fact, there's a reason Butch Jones got two top five classes and then never got a top 10 one after that. Mm-hmm. And sounded good right. on the front, sounded good on the front end, but on the back end, players are saying, This dude's nuts. Yeah, this that's dude exactly what was nuts. happening. I mean, Which, look by at the his way, haircut. For the love of God, look at his haircut. How can he not be nuts? I didn't say that. By the I, way, Dave, I just had a mind blow moment. And I know it's a crazy mind blow, but this explains to me how many times have you covered new coaches at a school and they always make a splash with two good recruiting classes to start out and everybody's excited about them. And I'm like, how do they always recruit so well at the start and then flame out? I'm like, oh, there's not enough players who can talk negatively about how bad they are yet. Yeah, and... you, you pay the assistant coaches to tell the prospects that everything's okay. You're not going to pay these kids. These these kids are young and they're noble for the most part, and they're going to tell the absolute truth. And most of your players out of 85 are not particularly happy. Um, so you've got to try to make them all somewhat happy because, you know, one guy's a freshman. He's just getting in. He's 40 pounds underweight. And he's getting the hell beat out of him in practice uh, because he's on the scout team. Most of them are not happy, but Tennessee has a culture right now where guys are happy and it's across the board. And I, well, and it's more, it was more business-like at Alabama might be that way at Georgia, but there's more than one way to skin a cat. Um, I, I think of, well, I think Philip Fulmer had a good culture. I think Mac Brown had a good culture. I think there are other guys that have won recruiting and won championships with culture and along with NIL. Yes. I think that makes Josh Heupel a very strong recruiter. Well, and there's the other part of this too, which is when you talk about players talking, it's one thing for former players to talk bad about a program. I think every coach has had former players talk bad about him publicly. Hasn't they? Every single one has had former players. Most of the time you can explain it away with sour grapes or being upset. I believe was it Anthony Herrera or Anthony Sessions that just lit into Philip Fulmer. Um, one time it was like an 08 like years after he had left and he talked about how i don't i don't uh, remember that oh yeah it was it was what i think i would think sessions on the defensive side because they they really love john chavis and didn't have as much interaction with philip fulmer i I, but i don't know um well somebody being an offensive lineman i know he wasn't really happy with his amount of playing time at the time i don't i don't know yeah so there was a former player but there have been former players that have trash programs where it set out with Butch Jones is it was four. You can usually explain it by like their sour grapes are upset they didn't get here. They are upset they didn't get this. They didn't get to play. And that's what they're mad about. You didn't get that with Butch Jones. You got former stars coming out trashing him. I mean, you have Alvin Kamara, who I'm not saying is the highest character guy. Don't get me wrong. But you do have Alvin Kamara lamenting how he was misused by Butch Jones when he was there. And when, when stuff like that happens, you're right. Then it starts to be a red flag. You haven't seen any of that with Josh Heupel. I mean, you won't even see Jeremy Banks come out and trash Josh Heupel right now because, I mean, you know, and you would think the sour grapes Jeremy Banks would do that. You haven't seen any of that. And 
I think that has a lot to do with, I think players are starting to respect Heupel. I think with Fulmer, I don't think former players were trashing Fulmer. I think, I think former coaches and former scouts and former people like that started to fall out of favor with Fulmer that hurt him with recruits. Because I think what the story you told me stands out. The story that Fulmer sandbagged Jason Witten when he was trying to get his, his NFL draft stock, I think that wrecked him in recruiting long-term. Uh, I think it hurt him across the board within his own team as as well. So let's get to our five favorite minutes. We close out the show with your comments. We want to get your thoughts. What would you like to talk about? Because we appreciate you. We remind you support our sponsors. They're right below. That's why we're here. We greatly appreciate that. And today's our five favorite minutes brought to you by Dynasty Pools and Spas showroom in Athens. Just mentioned off the hook. That's off the hook. Get five hundred dollars off. And yes, they do deliver. This is a great time of year to have a hot tub. Okay, so Travis says if we have another four loss season, it will absolutely kill our recruiting. We can't afford to lose more than two this year. Uh, Hunter says another ten win season and play from Josh Heupel players in the NFL should finally get us in the top five class conversation. Um, so what's the difference between 10 wins and eight wins in recruiting? Uh, I'll ask you in the message board, give us your thoughts. Is it a big deal? Is it a deal or is it no deal? I will say eight again. If they go eight with Nico, they went eight with, I think a favorable schedule. I, I will, I will use the word and kill. I think it would kill recruiting. I, I think 10 would take Tennessee to another level in recruiting, which right now they're battling to get inside the top 10. I think they would be inside the top 10 moving forward. And then you win a, win a couple of college football playoff games, maybe better than that. But I, I agree with both of our statements. I think eight with both of the statements on the message board. I think it's a monster deal, big deal if it's eight. That's back-to-back four losses. If it's 10, I think it's a significant deal because it helps Tennessee. But in just in terms of recruiting, eight would be eight. Would you would start to wonder if Josh Heupel's the answer, wouldn't you? It's over if it's eight. He's not the answer if it's eight. I'll just say that out. Even if he keeps the job up. a couple more years, I, I would tend to agree job. with that. But neither of yeah. us think that's going to happen. But I would tend to agree with that. Yeah, that's dead band walking numbers is eight. Um, ten does not so eight's more significant than ten in the other way because eight means he's dead man walking. Ten does not mean that he's he's totally secure but it at least not only mean job him. security i mean just helping recruiting yeah and ten, but 10 will help in recruiting 10 will help him recruit i i agree with that but i think that eight is just that's you can't have eight i'll, I'll just to give you an example gus malzahn went 12 and 2 at auburn his first year went to the national title game he went eight and five the year after that in 2014 that that wrecked him he was a dead man walking for like seven years dave when he was at auburn after that because he couldn't maintain what he had built quite honestly. And yeah, eight would be, uh, look, I'll be honest with you. I think losing the citrus bowl this year, going, finishing eight and five, that could have been devastating. I mean, nine and four looks a lot better than eight and five. And I know that's weird to say, but the citrus bowl. Uh, Devastating would be a little bit too strong for me. Um, I would think it would be very, very significant. Um, It would. uh, So Hunter says another eight win. Season groups you in with Kentucky and South Carolina. So that's right. Hit that yep. like and subscribe button. If you haven't subscribed yet, do so. Please turn your notifications on as well. Again, uh, hit the uh, like button. Go ahead and hit that right now before you cruise out. For Caleb Calhoun, I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Oak Sports.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply